He's my comfort, always holds me close. He's my comfort, he always holds me close. He always guides me. He always guides me. Through mountains and valleys, through mountains and valleys, His joy is refreshing. His joy is refreshing. Restores my soul. Mercy and goodness gives me assurance. His mercy and goodness. It gives me assurance that I'll see His glory. I'll see His glory face to face. Face to face. Hallelujah. goes like this it goes your spirit lives within me so I will walk in your peace your spirit lives within me my victory my victory your spirit lives within me so I will walk in your peace your spirit lives within me my victory your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me, my victory, 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 my victory. a beautiful song.
sorry. It's really annoying when it's out of tune. This is King of My Heart. If you have uh, your cell phone, or most of you might know this one. But this one's King of My Heart.
most of you are going to know this, at least the ones that are my age or older. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. The lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Cause you're good. You're good. Oh, oh, you are good. You're good. Oh, you are good. This is a personal favorite. And I'm looking forward to hearing Paxton's. Goodness of God. Goodness is 
Good evening, everybody. I thank you for coming out. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time talking today about faith. Of course, we all should have faith, right? And this morning, JP talked about doubt. Of course, with doubt comes fear. And it rolls right in with what the night is all about, which is faith. Because faith can conquer that doubt. Faith can conquer your fears. So you may wonder why I'm up here. If you would have seen me a year ago or known me a year ago, I would have told you that I was a Christian and I had faith and, you know, I did the right things. I thought I lived my life the right way, and for the most part I did. But I was missing something. I was missing something very large in my life. The reason why I put this picture here, this picture was taken on December 16th of 2018. 
as the last picture of all my children together. On December 17th, the little girl that Jacob's holding, unfortunately she passed away, and that's when I truly knew God. God touched my life. And it wasn't something that happened instantly. It was something that took time to develop inside of me, but he used that moment to transform my life. And in that moment, I realized that, man, faith and works, I have an understanding of what that is now. I knew what faith was, I knew what works was, but I, I didn't know how they went together, and I didn't, didn't quite understand what the whole meaning of being a Christian was or having faith was. So why I'm up here to answer that question, though, starting after that moment, I started coming to this church. Jamie joined me, and it just felt like home. It just felt right being here and being around the people. Pastor Ralph and JP, Joe, spent a lot of time at our house, spent a lot of time with them, spent a lot of time finding guidance. And through that experience, I was a student, and I was learning, and God challenged me now to be a teacher, to hold me to a higher standard, because I just can't be a student my whole life. I can't be someone who just gets fed. I have to start feeding other people at some point. That's why I'm here. I'm not special. I didn't go to Bible study school. I don't consider myself to have some special power or some special calling, but I do have a calling for one particular thing. That's faith. Because I am someone who has been through it. I have walked through the fire. My family has. And I love God. Every blessing that he's given me. And he's blessed me so much since that day on December 17th. So... I'm going to give you the definition of faith in a dictionary. It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. All right? That's pretty standard. That's a pretty standard, pretty standard definition of faith. I'm going to give you a definition of faith, though, that's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I'm going to liken it to this. Um... As some of you know in a church, I'm going to start leading uh, grief share. And uh, when my wife and I were trying to find counseling, we could find people who were all about faith, but they weren't equipped to talk about our grief. And then we could find counselors who were equipped to deal with grief, but they wouldn't say a word about faith. They wouldn't talk about religion. They wouldn't talk about anything that had to do with God. So we found grief share. I went to several. And... What I found in there, one of the most powerful statements I read, read was this. Faith is like this. In your darkest moments, in the moments that you find despair and anxiety and depression, it's like being in a basement where the windows are closed by curtains or being in an office or being in a bedroom and you've closed the curtains outside on a sunny day. So even though you're in this room full of darkness, you know the sun's outside. You know what's there. Well, when you're in your deepest moments of anxiety, depression, when, you, when, you, when you're walking through that fire and you feel that grief or you feel that pain, God is with you. 
even if you think he's not, because you're wondering why, why did this happen? How did this happen? What's going on? Like you said, you wouldn't let this happen. You know, I have belief. I have faith. I have faith. Why did this happen? Well, have faith that God is with you always. He's always there. So with that, how many of you have ever had faith in something besides God? A coach, a parent, a friend? It's easy to have faith during good times. If you're playing basketball, you've got a good coach, and he's saying have faith. Have faith in your teammates. They're going to make the right decision. They're going to make the right choices. You'll be successful. All right. If you're winning, it's awesome. It's great. But what happens if you're getting beat 68 to 14? Man, I don't have faith in that coach. (laughs) You lose it. It's the same thing with God. When it's going good and you can count the blessings in your life and you think your world is perfect, it's super easy to have faith. And I thought I had that because my life was perfect. had everything I wanted. Couldn't ask for anything more. It was perfect in that moment. So how do we lose our faith? Doubt and fear. In those worst times, it's really easy to lose your faith. But you have to remain strong. So how do you keep your faith? How do you keep your faith in those darkest moments, in your times of despair? How can you keep your faith? The noise of this world, it can dilute our faith. There's so many distractions that can weaken it. The internet, friends, even family, there's a lot of them. But how do you keep your faith? Works. Living the life that God has called for all of us. It's your works that will help you keep your faith. It's fellowship. One of the most impactful times in my life was, was a few months back, and Joe Paddock invited me to join a men's fellowship group. And it was a life-changing experience. In Matthew 18, verse 20, he says, For where two or three gather together in my name, there I am with them. And it's true. That's one way to keep your faith. Talk about the Lord. Talk about your faith. Share your experiences. That's what's led me here. I want to share an experience. I'll get to more of that later. But read the Bible. Spend time in it. Don't read it on its surface. Don't look at it as a book, just black and white and just script. Read it. Digest it. Meditate on it. But better yet, talk to people about it. That men's group, man, I tell you what, when we get together, we're like, hey, we're going to talk about James. We're going to talk about James tonight. And then we get there, and like the first two hours, we talk about everything but James. But God's with us. God's having that conversation. He's working through us. We have debates. We have great conversation. We challenge each other. But most of all, God's there with us. He's in that little group with us. And then we get to James eventually. We start talking about it. 
And now that we've let our guard down and we start feeling comfortable with each other, man, we can start laying it on each other, challenging each other. That's one way to keep your faith. There's a lot of examples. There's a lot of examples in the Bible that talk about faith, one of the more famous ones, obviously, the parting of the Red Sea. That's a, that's a pretty obvious one right there. I mean, you know, that was one thing that I talked to my son about was when he started going to school, I talked about, you know, as you become more educated, you start to question. You start to question your faith. You start to question religion because it doesn't seem realistic. It doesn't seem like those things could have happened. That was a different day and age. They didn't have the internet. <laughs> they didn't have all the distractions. It was easier to receive God's word. It was easier to hear him. Moses parted the Red Sea, not because of a lack of faith, but because of his faith. He led an entire nation out of Egypt on faith. We can make it through the distractions of life, the hardships of today with faith. So what is faith without works? What are your works without faith? One of my favorite books in the Bible is James. In James 2, chapter 2, verse 14 is, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Can faith alone save you? This is a little bit longer, so bear with me. James chapter 2, verse 17 through 23. Even so, faith it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works. God is one. You do well, the demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father without work, our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. Faith was perfected, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. That's so powerful, because if you know the story in Genesis, when Abraham brought Isaac as a sacrifice, because God told him, Hey, bring your only son, your only son that you have. Bring him up here and sacrifice him to me. Okay. Abram did so. Abraham did so. He went up there, and he was just about to prepare that sacrifice and give up his only son. And in that moment when God realized, you're really going to do it. Stop. You have proved your faith through your works. Who here would be willing to give up their only child? Your only child any of your children, because God said so. There's no way. That's a powerful, that's a powerful example of faith through works. So what fears have we overcome to prove our faith? Well, I'm going to tell you mine. I was grieving. Man, I was grieving hard. 
for the first couple months, I had to remind myself to breathe. I would gasp for air. I still kept my faith. I still believed that God was with me. I believed that God didn't take Ella because he just wanted to, because he was mad at me for something. No. I knew he was there. I was still depressed. I was still angry. I was still mad. That'll never go away, ever. (laughs) That'll always be there. But God can take our anger. If any of you are angry at God, he can take it. Trust me. But I'll tell you, I never questioned what his plan was. Who am I to question it? It's my anger, my sadness. I realized that I needed to change who I was. And I was scared because I wasn't sure how some people would take it. You folks in the church, you didn't know me beforehand. All you know is who I am now. My family, you guys knew all the wrong things I've ever done. You guys knew the bad things I've done. You've known all my faults. And I was scared (laughs) because I was like, man, those people might not believe me. My family's not going to believe what I have transformed into. It didn't even matter. I knew it was in my heart. I knew how I felt. I knew what my faith was. And then I knew that I had to change everything about who I was because how I was living was wrong. And the way I was living, I was toning him out. I couldn't hear him. I couldn't feel him. I couldn't hear him speak to me. I was in my garage one night, and it was probably about two months after this had happened, after her death. And I was fighting it hard, like I was. My will was fighting against God's will. Because I thought, you know what, I've been through a lot in my life. And I've always rose above whatever I was going through. I was able to, I was able to work it out. Depression, anxiety. I was always able to figure a way to be happy. But like I said, I was always missing something. And in that moment, in that garage, I looked up and I said, God, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I, I, don't, I don't have any answers for this. There's no one that can make me feel better. There's, no, there's nothing that I can rely on that's going to help me through this. I need you. And I'm done fighting you. Just whatever this is, I don't want it anymore. I don't want it. When your child dies, you think of a lot of things. Suicide, you think of that. You don't want to go on living. It's the greatest pain you've ever felt in your life. I knew that wasn't the answer. As much as I didn't want to breathe, as much as I just wanted to be done with it, all of this that I was, I was done with. And I gave it to God. (laughs) All right, man. You want it? 
here it is. Come get it, because I'm done trying. I'm done trying to fight you, and I'm done trying to live my life the way I want to, because I know, I know <laughs> you're going to win out anyway. So I gave my life to God. I got rid of who I was. And I look back on it, man, I was walking a tightrope of darkness all the stinking time. And now I don't have that battle. There is something special that is inside of me. I didn't realize it before. I never recognized it because I drowned it out with every other thing that I could in life not to hear him. Some people call it a conscious. Your morals, your constitution. You know what's right from wrong. So is it your conscience speaking or is it God speaking? I realized that when I looked at it that way that, hey, this is my conscience. Like, this is, this is my morality. I know right from wrong, but I'm going to do this anyway. I looked at it as, okay, that was just my decision. That was my heart and my mind fighting. And I never brought God into the equation. And now I realize, oh, that was God talking. That was God talking, and he didn't want you to do it. You did it anyway, you big dummy. That was stupid. So now when I look at it, because I have faith now, I realize that when I shouldn't do something, that's God. That is God saying, don't do that. Do this instead. I wouldn't have been up here a year ago. There's no way. Probably a few months ago, I don't know. I think I would have been, I wouldn't have had the courage to get up here. But I listen to God. I listen to the challenge. You never know who you're going to influence. You never know whose heart you're going to touch. Because these aren't my words. These are God's words. This is him working through me. And I'm going to say some things that might make some people sad, might make some people mad, might be hard to hear. Because it just is... It just is what it is. See, what God does for us is amazing. When you think that he's given you a tragedy and you incur pain, that's him working through it. His plan isn't for us to suffer. His plan for us isn't to be sorrowful. But he's going to take a tragedy. He's going to take something painful. And he's going to work through it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is from one of my favorite books. My favorite book is James. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That, to me, is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Because God says, whatever you go through, again, that faith, be obedient in your faith, he's going to be there for you. And even though you think he's not, he's there. And if you can go through those trials, if you can go through that tribulation, 
He is going to see you through it. He's going to be there for you. He's going to make sure that you come through. He's going to reward you. JP pulled out, the, JP pulled out that rope today, and it, well, that rope was 50 feet long. And then that rope was all yellow, and it had this much blue on it. And this much is your story here on earth. This much of it. And that's an infinity, that's an infinite line. It goes on and on forever. If you keep your faith and you do good works, that infinite line will be your reward. You'll be rewarded for your obedience, for your faith. Another good example is how God works in his amazing ways when you have faith is Joseph's story in Genesis. I love this story. Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. And Joseph, his brothers, got rid of him. (laughs) And Jacob, he had thought his son had died. His beloved Joseph thought he was gone, lost forever. Unbeknownst to him, Joseph was in Egypt, becoming a pretty powerful individual very influential figure. I'm not going to read all the scripture and I'm going to make a long story short, basically. There were seven great years, wonderful years of bountiful crops. Everyone's happy, everyone's joyful. But Joseph knew after those seven years, the next seven, they're pretty rough. They're going to be pretty lean. There's going to be a famine. Better store up now. You better save and stock while we can. And this is in Egypt. Well, in Israel, where Jacob was, still mourning the son of his loss, still mourning the loss of his son Joseph, that famine after those seven years hit the entire world as they knew it, including Jacob and all of his sons. Because Joseph had the foresight to be able to stock the crops, to be able to prepare for those seven years, Jacob, in an entire, differently, an entire different land, him and his family were still fed when they should have had nothing. And even better, when his sons were finally able to meet Joseph, <laughs> And went back and told his dad, he's alive. Jacob got to go back and meet Joseph. And I can only dream of what that must have been like. Jacob had thought that his son was dead. And then there's this great reunion. There they are together. Around each other's neck. That's a powerful, powerful story that even when you think, man, everything's been taken from me, like why? God just has this way of working. And he provided for Jacob and his family. In this indirect way that there's no way anybody could have known. 
There's no way that anybody could have known that that was going to happen. How, how, how does losing your son end up becoming this great blessing that you're able to survive for and then even meet your son later, the one that you thought was dead? Here he is, and you're hugging him, you're holding him. That's great. That is amazing. The thing I take away from that is this. I know that I'm not going to see Ella on this, on this earth. But I know the blessings that she's given me. I know what she has done for my life. And I'm going to meet her again the same way that Jacob met Joseph. It'll be in our Lord's kingdom, but I'm going to meet her again. And I promise you this, I couldn't have said that when that photo was taken on December 16th. I could not have said that. I thought I was a Christian. I thought I had faith. I thought I had works. But I was lacking something. I was saved. I was baptized. Somehow I lost my way. I don't know. I don't know how. Can't put my thumb on it. Can't give you an exact moment when it happened. But it happened. It happened. I tuned God out. And then December 17th happened. December 17th happened. Never had such devastation in my life. I've never felt so much pain. It was as if somebody just wanted to just was pushing me down on the ground, taking the breath out of me. Very painful moment. It'll always be painful the rest of my life. But I know that God was working. I know he was. This would be painful to hear because in Psalm 139, verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knew exactly how long Ella was going to live. To the day, the hour, the minute, and the second. A coroner couldn't even tell me when she passed. Detective couldn't. Nobody could. God knows. He knew it before she was even formed. So did God do it? No. Nope. Did God allow it to happen? Yeah, he sure did. God allowed her to leave this earth. Why? Why? <laughs> I struggled with that question for a long time. JP pulled that rope out. Why? Because in this moment... He had to touch me, and he had to touch a bunch of people. I'm standing right here. And I never could have got to that yellow part of that rope. Had that, not moment, had that moment not happened, I can't say it would have in some other way. But I'm standing here before you as a testimony 
to say that God loves us so much, he allowed it to happen. It became a blessing. Because I now have eternal life with her. I don't have this with her. I have an infinity line with her. My wife has eternity now with Ella. My dad, God bless his soul, 78 years old, got baptized this spring. Didn't happen before that, did it, Dad? I'm here with a men's group. We encourage each other. We challenge each other. We support each other. That wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't be a leader of Grief Share. That wouldn't have happened. Is it worth it to live a life that is hedonistic, that is immoral, even if you think you're doing your best thing you can, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, one day of the week. Is it worth that to live that life, to have love for things other than God? Is it worth that to be able to enjoy it in this blink of an eye that we're here on this earth for, to miss out in eternity? I would love nothing more than to hold Ella. I would love nothing more to have her back for one second, to be able to feel her, to be able to hear that little cry and that screech she would give out. Because of what happened, I have eternity with her. And maybe I'll live, God willing, till I'm 70, 80 years old, have another 40 years on this life, and maybe I would have been able to see her grow up, graduate, get married, have children. Maybe I would have been able to see all of that, but I never would have heard God. He works in strange, mysterious ways. God has a certain way of touching all of us. And maybe he was trying to reach me for years because I had lost my way. And then what happened happened and he just gave me a spiritual smack. Hey, you've ignored me long enough. This was going to happen no matter what. Now hear me. Listen to me. Have faith in me. I didn't want to take her. I didn't take her. I allowed it to happen for a much, much greater purpose. This story is just beginning. I told Jacob, <laughs> the day he said he gave his life to God, oh, man, it was one of the greatest days of my life. I cried. I, man, I just was so elated. I praised Jesus. I was so thankful. My son, who I didn't think could do that, or I thought I was going to have to work on him for a long time, he even told me like that I didn't want to go on a trip with you because I didn't want to listen to your music. <laughs> Like, you talk about God way too much. He gets it now. He understands it now. That happened. That happened. Man. Would it have happened anyway? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I do not know because would I have been a role model? Would I have ever put on that Christian music? Would I have ever praised God? 
I remember speaking to Pastor Ralph, and I think I even talked to Joe about it. I was like, I love the way I feel when I come in here on Sundays because I just, I get this feeling of just, man, it's comfort. It's safe. I love being here. Like, I love hearing the word. Like, I love it. How do I bring that to my house? I want to come here and just sleep. I want to come here and spend my evenings. I figured it out. I figured out how to bring God into my house. I have a godly house now. God comes first. There's still anger in our house for what we've lost. There's still sadness. Still some anxiety. There's still depression. But we make it through every single day. And we consider it joy because we know we have God in our lives. We know what that reward is at the end of our life. I see you. I say it all the time. I see you. I used to say it when I wake up in the morning and sneak into her room. I used to say it when I'd sneak behind her. She'd think she was hiding or I see you. I see you everywhere. I see you everywhere because of God. Because she's with God. She's with me. She's with my family. She's with my wife. I see her. And I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one thing about faith and your works. You don't need to tell people you're a Christian. You just need to live your life the way that you know you're supposed to, the way that God has called you to. And you don't need to tell anybody you're a Christian. Proverbs 27, verse 19, I think is very, very powerful, and it sums that up. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. How you live your life, how you keep your faith, how you do your works, it's going to represent who you are inside. People will notice you never know who you're affecting. You just don't know what impact you're having on someone's life. When my neighbor, we found out his wife was given three or four days to live, the scariest thing in my life, and JP touched on it this morning, never been so scared, man. I tell you what, you want to get out of your shell, you go pray for somebody. Hey, okay, can I pray? Can I, can I pray with you about something? Like, God's just telling me that, you know, you need something in your life. Like, can I, can I, can I pray with you? Is there something you need help with? You do that to a complete stranger? <laughs> man, that's hard. I was standing outside of my garage, pacing back and forth. I called Isaac. I called Pastor Ralph, like, man, I, I, how do I do this? Because his wife is getting ready to pass away, and I know I need to pray for him. I know I need to go over there. <laughs> I'm scared to death. Like, how do I do this? And I did. I, I somehow, I mustered up the courage, and I went over there, and I knocked on the door. No one answered, and I was kind of happy about that. I knocked on the door again, and I just stood there and prayed. So in that moment, no one was going to answer the door. But my faith led me to those works. 
I went to my neighbor's door. It's kind of a gruff gentleman, not necessarily the most polite man in the world. I've had very little interaction with him. And if he would have opened that door, I would have been scared to death and I'd probably shake in and I probably would have fumbled all over my words, but I would have got it out because God was with me. God was with me. And even if I couldn't have found the right words, he would have. He would have. Joe, you mind coming up now? I'm going to finish this with something. My favorite book is James. I have some verses that I've read. But there is one particular story that is in the Bible. It's in Daniel chapter 3. Some of you may be familiar with it. There's a phenomenal song, probably my favorite song now. But it's an amazing story about faith. And sometimes we get into the Old Testament and you think these things are kind of far-fetched. Like it doesn't really seem like this is, this is possible, this is real. Well, different day and age, a different time, and God had to work in different ways. And this story that is accompanied by this song is my favorite story this is the most powerful story about faith I feel there is in the Bible. Three use. I'm going to butcher the last name, I'm sorry. Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Huh? Abednego. There we go. I'm, put, I'm, putting, the, I'm, putting, the, I'm putting the Western influence on that. <laughs> they were called to the king of Nebuchadnezzar. And he had built this gigantic idol. And he wanted people to bow down before it. The trumpets sang and the horns blew. Everyone bow down to this idol. It's me. I am the king. These three used, they refused to. Nope, I'm not going to. They said, if we're, blown, if we're thrown into that blazing furnace, our God will protect us. He will protect us. Could you imagine? Would you have that faith standing in front of a furnace that you're about to get thrown into if you don't bow down to some false idol? Could you have that faith? Could you prove it through your works? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. Even if you throw me in that fire, I know where I'm going. Go ahead. Go ahead. But I'm protected. It's good. Go ahead. Let's do it. So King Nebuchadnezzar said, all right, heat that bad boy up seven times in. Seven times hotter than we usually do. Let's go ahead and fire that thing up, man. You guys, you three utes. The guards, the greatest commanders they had, the bravest soldiers, bind them, go to throw them in the fire. And as they do, they burn up, they perish. The flames are so hot. The people who threw them in, gone. Then King Nebuchadnezzar looks in that fire in astonishment, and he says, hey, the three guys in there? Yeah, yeah, there were. Yeah, there were. Why, I see three, but who is that other person in there? Who is that? It's a divine being. Clothes aren't burned up. They're not burned up. They are protected. 
because there was another in the fire with them. As we walk through our life and we come across our trials and we come across the things that challenge us spiritually, remember, there was somebody walking through that fire with you. There is somebody protecting you. There is someone that is holding you and carrying you through that. He's going to part the seas. He is going to be with you. I promise you, I'm a testament to that. Because I was lost as lost can be. And the most devastating thing that can happen to a human being happened to me and my family. And here I am. Here I am. I'm going to ask anybody, if you feel like you need to come up here and pray, you go ahead and come on up here. We can pray with you. You can pray where you sit. But if you feel moved, just let it go. Know that God's here. There's two or more of us right now. God is with us right now. I was raised didn't hold my hand up in church. I didn't come up to the altar to pray. I feel a little different about that now because God has touched me in a way I never thought possible. I can't thank you enough for listening to this story. I don't know as much about the Bible as other guys that get up here and preach as much as Nancy. I don't know as much but I have a story. I have a story to be told. And people can learn from it. It might touch somebody. It might impact someone's life. And if you feel like you've been touched tonight, you feel like you've been inspired, you feel like that you just need to get something off your chest and you need to talk to God about it, come on up and pray. He's always there with you. Know that.
dead left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world, no. And I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. set me free there is a grave that holds nobody and now that power lives in me there is another in the fire Tonight, when uh, 
we had spoke on the phone, but man, like how good is God to work through tragedy? How good is God to work through this man? Um, how good is God to work through this family? Um, I don't know if he was just humoring me, like asking me advice to preach, but I think he did a really good job or I'm a really good coach. And, and I doubt that I'm a really good coach. So he did a really, really amazing job. And, and, I, and I thank you for just letting God um, pour through you. Because, man, it was, it was, it was amazing. Um, I'm going to close in prayer, but like, like Kyle always says, man, he'll get up here. And if I gave him a mic, he'd say it right now. If you don't know where you're going to end up when you leave this door, if you don't know if you get in a car accident and die on the way home tonight, if you don't know where you'll spend eternity tonight, deal with that tonight. Get it done. Man, there is a God that's in the fire with us. There's tragedy that'll happen in our lives and there's, there's, there's things that will happen because God never promised it was going to be easy. He didn't say, hey, become a Christian, it's going to be a cakewalk, I got you guys. But he did promise to be there for us. So again, if you don't want to come up here, you find somebody on the way out, find Kevin, find somebody on the way out, and just say, listen, man, I, I'm not where I, I, I'm supposed to be, but God is speaking to me, and I know where I need to go. So definitely, Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for a, for a, a bold man of Christ, Lord, that you have called on, um, for, for, for him just being humble and and uh, allowing you to speak through him, Lord. And we consider a great joy, Lord. And I know that you're in heaven right now like, I'm proud of my son. I'm proud of my son. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this week as we go, Lord. I pray that if there is somebody in here, that there is a stirring in their heart and they don't know what that stirring is, that they would ask a question, Lord that they would seek somebody out, Lord, that they would just, just tap somebody on the shoulder and be like, listen, I got something in my, in my chest and I feel funny. Lord, we hope that's not a heart attack, but we, we hope it's you working inside them, Lord. We can fix either one, Lord, but you just, you just be with us. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this ministry, Lord. We thank you for this time. We pray that you would be with us this week. We know you'll be with us this week. But what we pray is that, like we pray this morning, that through Kevin's message, Lord, that you challenge us, Lord. That you challenge us to be a better Christian, a better person, a better, a better neighbor, a better father, a better mother, a sister, a brother. Because we don't know when it's all over, Lord. We don't know when we're going to be taken or when somebody else will be taken from us, Lord. But you do. You knew before you formed us in the womb, Lord. And you care for us so much that, that they say, you know the, the number of, of hairs on our heads. We know some hairs less than others, but you still know, Lord, and you still care. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, you guys, it's a wrap. Kevin, good job, man. You did amazing.
He said, you want to come up and sing it with us?
Goodness. 